But this morning, we're going to talk about a beginner's guide to prayer. Does anybody ever feel like a beginner in these things? Yeah, two hands and feet. Anybody ever feel like a beginner in these things? I feel like a beginner all the time. All the time. And, you know, I think it's sometimes it's because, you know, we start into something and we feel like we're getting good at something and then God opens up another window and we're like, oh, it's much bigger than I thought. <laughs> oh, do you know? And then we're like, oh, yeah, I'm still a beginner. Uh, but it's a good thing. And, you know, we're saying, um, you know, uh, just take those steps. The covenant's part of it. Form lives of discipline because discipline leads to habits, good and godly habits. And habits lead to the lifestyle of the grace of God. You know, how does Jesus invite us into it? He says, come, come and learn from me the unforced rhythms of grace. He's just said to us in that moment, he said, come on, put on my yoke. It's easy. My burden is light. Come on, get yourself right alongside with me, united for now and all eternity. Learn from me these unforced rhythms. But you know, there's a bit of discipline there, isn't there? You know, just before Nora um, was born, uh, Judah had an operation, his adenoids and tonsils, he had them out because he'd had a cold for about a year. And so uh, I'm not observant, but even I noticed that wasn't quite right. Um, and so, you know, the operation came and then Nora thought, brilliant, now's my chance. And she arrived because uh, we weren't tired. Um, and she thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make them really tired. And, and so for nine months since, I hadn't been to the gym once. Yeah. Because does anybody know having babies is better than any kind of workout on earth? I say having babies. I didn't actually have them. Anyhow, there's a workout. I don't want any part of it. Um, but, uh, nine, and, you know, last week, two weeks ago, I went back to the gym. Oh, my. Um, thank you. But it was unpleasant. And let me tell you, it was not pretty. Oh my goodness, there I was in the gym. And you know, the first thing that I attempted, I thought, you know, it was all right. It took me a bit longer to achieve my kind of, you know, standard. But I got there in the end. I turned up the podcast I was listening to because I didn't want to hear my wheezing. Um, It was not nice. All the other people in the gym looking at me like something horrible is happening. But there you go. But then I was working my way around the apparatus and suddenly discovering I couldn't quite lift what I used to be able to, to lift. And so, get glancing over, don't arm me. I, you know, I don't want your pity. Um, glancing surreptitiously over my shoulders before gently kind of lowering the amount of weight on every piece of equipment and hoping, hoping that it wasn't that 75-year-old guy who was on there before me. Uh, because my ego can't handle that kind of thing. It was such a mess that in walking, I say walking, more or less staggering, from one piece of equipment to another, I managed to kick one with my shin, um, and, and a little bit of blood came out. Um, to stop arring me. Come on, I don't want this. The point of this is not to get your pity. Maybe a little bit. No, the point of this is Without the discipline of doing this week in, week out, the habits don't form and the lifestyle ain't there. It was ugly to go back to the gym, but I am resolved to be ugly. Um, I am resolved to work at this and to fight through this until such time as I don't trip over things at the gym. I set the bar low. Um, We've got to do this. You want to go somewhere in your prayer life, and come on, you might feel, are oh, the bar's so low? I'm rubbish. Discipline yourself. Come on. Get over that two-inch high hurdle 
and then see how you might get over a three or four or five inch. You know, before long, you'll be running 400 meter hurdles and sprinting and everything will be, and then, you know, you might fall over a bit. But that's just the way of it. Come on, discipline, discipline, discipline. Anybody want to be a beginner in prayer with me this morning? The truth of the matter is, we are wired to pray. You know, we live in a fairly secular society here in the UK. I want you to think globally for a minute. The vast majority of people on the face of the planet would count themselves to be religious and spiritual people. Most people, most places pray. And do so often. This is not by accident. This isn't because somebody's kind of convinced them of it in their minds. This is because we are wired to pray. It's just the nature of it. People do so everywhere. People, even those who would say they have absolutely no faith in anything and don't believe there's any kind of God, if they, like me, in the gym, kicked a piece of equipment, you will hear the simplest prayer come out of their mouths, which is, oh God. And there it will be. But people pray. I read um, just this week as I was researching this in an article in the Guardian newspaper, not often given to matters of Christian spirituality, but there you go. And, and they even noted that over half of adults in the UK pray with more turning to prayer in times of crisis. And in their research, many people were making prayer part of their daily life. A third of people praying before going to sleep or going for a walk One in five praying while doing chores around the house. Those prayers being muttered under the breath and generally being, why is everyone in my family so dirty? Um, And then 15% people praying while traveling, most of which prayers are, why is everyone else on the road such a bad driver? Um, But there you go. If you were to search in Google with just the word prayer, you would find there are over 136 million results. There's a lot out there on prayer. Four million videos. Four million books. Six million news articles on prayer. Are you getting the picture? Prayer is woven into this world because it's woven into you and me. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11 that God has placed eternity in our hearts. This is no accident. This is God's design, I should mention. Hopefully you received as you came in some notes. And if you want to grab them, you'll be able to follow along. And it'll be really helpful as we go through and and adding these things. He's placed it in our hearts. It's woven into this world. But does anybody ever feel like they're not very good at it? Yeah? I think if we're honest, we probably all feel like that some of the time. Most all of the time, I don't know. Not very good at it. Do you know what? You are not on your own. You're not on your own in this. God doesn't want you to feel like a second-class prayer or in any way that you are inadequate or incapable. Listen to this. What did Paul say in Romans 8, verse 26? He said this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. This is the Apostle Paul. I don't know about you, but I think if we were to kind of categorize greatest Christians ever, this guy, he's going to be top five, isn't he? He may well be the greatest Christian to ever have walked this earth. And yet he says, we don't know what to pray for as we should. 
Does that encourage you? Everybody feels like this. Everybody does. From Paul to me. Everybody feels like we just sometimes don't know what and how. Sometimes we feel so weak. We are all in the school of prayer. And you know what, Jesus' disciples, this was one of the the moments that they had of, of, of revelation, realization in their lives. Luke 11, he records it like this. He says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Picture the scene, don't you? Jesus, this is one of the many, many thousands of of occasions, if the Gospels have it, um, that they see Jesus setting himself aside to pray, you know, bowing, kneeling to pray, going to a quiet place to pray, up a mountain to pray, all night praying, going across the lake to pray, finding a quiet place to pray. It's, it's often times, isn't it, in the Gospels with Jesus. And on one of these occasions, the disciples, they think, hang on, maybe this prayer thing is quite important. And, and they, they have the, the humility and the sense to say, Jesus... Would you teach us? Would you teach us? Now think about it for a moment. These disciples, they're living with Jesus. They don't just see him praying. They see other things as well. They see miracles, feeding 5,000 people with a packed lunch. They see Jesus totally in control of the natural world, calming storms, and the supernatural world casting out evil spirits. They see Jesus bringing sight to the blind and teaching like nobody ever before or since with such authority. But do you know, nowhere in the Gospels does it say that the disciples ask Jesus, teach us how to preach. You look at it, you won't find it. Nowhere does it say, Jesus, teach us how to cast out demons or or teach us how to heal the lame. They don't ask these things, but they do ask this. Lord, teach us to pray. Why would that be? They'd understood, hadn't they? That the power and the possibility of all of the wonders of the ministry of Christ were because he was connected to his Father in heaven. Isn't that the truth of it? Every possibility for Christ Jesus, so how much more for us, was rooted in his relationship with God. So teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. We want to be like you. We want to look like you. We want to talk like you. We want to act like you. We want to see your kingdom come. So please teach us to pray. With the disciples and with Paul, you know, it's not a bad thing to say we need to learn. Don't be proud. A beginner's guide to prayer is a good thing. And sometimes, you know, we, we kind of, we feel at the beginning of these journeys, sometimes over and over again at the beginning of these journeys. And there will be frustrations along the way, but let's not let our frustrations be because we don't understand prayer. We want to actually perhaps just for a moment address some of our misconceptions around prayer before we enter into some of the truths about prayer. What do we sometimes get wrong? Well, sometimes we, we kind of think that prayer is like a magic wand, if we just kind of whisk it around a little bit and say the right words, what would it be? Hocus pocus. You know hocus pocus? Do you know what that comes from? That actually it was, I don't know whether it was some guy who came late on a Sunday and it was at the back of a mass. And, and when they were at the front um, with, the, with the host, as they call it, and they say, hoc est corpum meum, this is my body. 
And, and somebody just didn't quite understand how it became the, the body of Jesus. And they heard hocus corpus mayum, and they thought, did he just say hocus pocus, and it became Jesus? Now, th- this is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a magic wand. We took our kids to the dentist the other day. And uh, our dentist, he was fantastic. He looked about 18. I'm getting to that stage in life where everybody who serves me in any kind of professional way is, is far younger than me all of a sudden. I didn't think this was going to happen for a while. Um, you know, it's that thing, isn't it, when policemen look like kids? Yeah? All right. It's not, okay. But our dentist, he's very young, but he's very good. And, uh, and, and he had Judah up on, the, um, up on the, the, the seat, and they were going up and down. It was a lot of fun. I didn't get to go up and down a lot. I was a bit disappointed, got to tell you. But uh, Judah's going up and down quite a lot. And then he gets the bit that kind of squirts the air or squirts the water, and, and he let Judah press the buttons. I didn't get to do this either. Again, very disappointed. But... Um, uh, but Judah's doing it, and he waves it around, and he says, it's just like Harry Potter. And, um, and he waves it around, and he said some things from Harry Potter. I'm not familiar with them, so I didn't know what was happening, really. Um, but it occurred to me that if we think um, that our, all of our dental care can happen once every six months by the dentist waving this magic wand around in our mouths, then let me let you into a little secret here. Your teeth will fall out. That's not really a secret, is it? They will rot, your breath will smell. Am I painting a picture here? It's pretty grim, isn't it? It's true with prayer. If we think that we just can wave the magic wand of prayer once every six months when we feel it's absolutely necessary, come on, you're going to be frustrated. Prayer is also not a fire extinguisher. What on earth does that mean? Well, oftentimes, you know, we perpetuate the idea that prayer is a last resort. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes we kind of try every angle, don't we, in our own strength, our own wisdom, our own abilities. We'll kind of recruit others to help us, and we'll say, we'll try absolutely everything. And, you know, we come to the end of everything, and then we say, oh, do you know, we're going to have to pray. Aren't we daft? Prayer is not a last resort. It's a first choice. You know, if every kind of um, thing that we do with regard to fire is just about saying, oh, well, ah, no worries. It doesn't really matter if we start a bonfire in the middle of the living room. I've got a fire extinguisher. Then please, Sam, this is not a good idea, is it? No, no. This is not a good idea. Um, prevention is better than a cure. You've heard that kind of thing, isn't it? Similarly, prayer is not a fire extinguisher when everything else has gone terribly wrong. Prayer is a first choice right at the beginning. You know, we pray before we take that job or go on that date or or buy that car. We pray not when we're freaking out in the exam room, but we pray when we're sitting down to do our revision. I wish somebody had preached that to me when I was a kid. Um, I don't know. Maybe they probably did. (laughs) They probably did. Prayer is not a magic wand. Prayer is not a fire extinguisher. Prayer is not a tug of war. Do you ever feel like that in relationship to God, that somehow you've got to kind of give a good tug when God's not looking and you might just topple him over into your way of seeing things? Hmm. There's no bribery with God, no pestering to make him give in. You know, in the Bible, Jesus told loads of stories, didn't he? Parables. 
And normally he's telling stories to open up a couple of things to us. One is the kingdom of God and to show us what that's like or what it's not like. And the other is God himself to show us what God is like or what he's not like. And on some occasions, Jesus teaches us how God is in regard to prayer. But there's one story he teaches that shows us how God is not with regard to prayer. Do you remember it? It's a story of a, of, of a judge and there's, there's a, a, a widow and she's trying to get justice. And so she goes repeatedly over and over and over again. And the story goes that essentially she gets justice in the end, not because the judge is good, but because she kind of pesters the life out of him. Now that story is not to show you what God is like. It's to show you what God is not like. Okay? We don't get justice out of God because we kind of pester him even though he doesn't want our best. Actually flip it. God wants your best. That doesn't always mean we get what we want because it's your best. But God is not engaging you in a tug of war. He's actually allowing you to see how your life and your will and your prayers can be aligned with his best and see what God will do. It's not a magic wand. It's not a fire extinguisher. It's not a tug of war. And you know, it's not a ritual to relieve guilt. You know, far be it from me to um, cast aspersions on, on different kind of traditions in the history of the church. But sometimes I think we've, we've made it as though prayer is something that we just do in order to, to kind of make God see us better again. Do you know that God sees you better because of Jesus? That it's a finished and completed work. Nothing you do can make God love you less. Also, nothing you do can make God love you more. Don't allow yourself to fall into the trap of thinking that you impress God into loving you. He loves you. He loves you. I'm going to keep saying it until it looks like you're getting it. He loves you. He loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Uh, there's still a few who haven't got it, but I'm, I'll just grab you before you leave and uh, I'll just hold you by the face and say, right, God loves you. Uh, lock the doors. I'm coming for you. Um, in a nice way, obviously. You know, we, we don't kind of find ourselves in places of failure. Come on, let's not diminish this truth. We will fail. We will get things wrong. Until we are perfected in his presence, in the absence of sin, we will still trip up. Uh, we have the opportunity of confession of sin, knowing that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's not diminish these things, but prayer is not just to kind of deal with our guilt. It's about restoration of relationship. It's about the possibility and the promise of relationship. Rick Warren puts it like this. He says, prayer shouldn't be driven by guilt but drawn by grace. Oh, write that down. That's good. Prayer should not be driven by guilt, but drawn by grace. It's not payback for our debt. It's not penance for our sin. It's a privilege. It's not a duty. So those are the things that prayer is not. But come on, let's look just for a moment or two before we come around the table and thank God. Let's look for a moment or two. Four foundational truths about what prayer is is. Does anybody know, want to know anything more about prayer? Oh good, because I'm going to tell you anyway. All right, here we go. Number one, 
God loves for me to talk with him about anything. Anything. God loves for me to talk with him about anything. You know, I don't think we genuinely believe this all the time. You know, I can talk nonsense. No amens at that point. Um, I know I can. Uh, And I, I know sometimes... I can just prattle on and sometimes I just get the wrong end of the stick and all these kinds of things. Sometimes I talk and I look in your faces and, and it's like, they, they just not wanting me to carry on. And, uh, and sometimes I, I can think, maybe God's like that. Maybe he's kind of putting on one of these special kind of forced smiles and inside he's thinking, oh, I wish Greg would just be quiet for a bit. No. God is not like this. He has infinite capacity of love, infinite grace. And here's a good one. He has infinite patience. Can I get an amen for this? Oh, God has infinite. Don't we need this? Infinite. He wants to hear from you about anything. God made you the way he made you. Do you know that? The fact that you are absolutely fascinated about model trains is because God made you that way. Or the fact that you are absolutely fascinated about, what else, CrossFit. God made you that way. The fact that you are infinitely fascinated about the collected works of Jane Austen. I'm just going for anything that I think might be niche this morning. Um, God made you that way. The fact that you are fascinated about a good curry. That's not niche, is it? Can I get an amen for a good curry? Hallelujah. Ah, the grace of God. Praise Jesus for the Indian subcontinent. And all of its many food goodnesses. Ah, hallelujah. What would we do without this thing? I feel like Britain, we haven't given much to the world in the way of food. Fish and chips, maybe a pie. That's about it, isn't it? But, oh, curry. Good God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, What were we talking about? Right. Um, God made you the way he made you. He doesn't want you to just shut yourself down when you talk to him. Don't pretend to be someone else when you talk to God. He made you. You ain't fooling anyone. <laughs> Just speak to him for yourself. Don't say, oh, I need to be like Pastor Greg. There's another good point for an amen, isn't there? Ah, you know, don't say, I've got to come in such and such a fashion, or I've got to look like this or sound like that. No. He made you the way he made you talk about what's driving you, what's happening in your life, in your mind, in your world, in your home. Psalm 103, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who reverence him. Come on, he welcomes you. 1 John 5 verses 14, 15, we can be confident in approaching God knowing that he listens to us whenever we ask him for anything according to his will. And since we know, can you help me this morning? Would you say, we know? know. Come on, come on. Let's let our faith rise up to the facts. We know that he hears us when we make our requests. Then we can be sure that he will answer us. You got your bookmarks Did you get them last week? If you didn't get one, make sure you don't leave without one. This week's memory verse from us. Did anybody have a crack at it? Did you have a crack in John's gospel? It was John 15 and verse 7. You know, if we remain in him and his words remain in us, then we can ask him absolutely anything. 
and he will give us this. Isn't that the truth of it? I kind of paraphrased a little bit there, but you know, you get the gist. Come on, this is what we're talking about. Talking about who we are, where we are, what we're up to, and allowing God to speak to us as his dearly beloved children. Prayer is, you might want to write this down, a conversation, not a ceremony. A conversation, not a ceremony. It is a relationship, not a ritual. A conversation means that you talk, doesn't it? But it also means that you listen. Has anybody ever told you that God gave you one mouth and two ears, so you could probably listen to twice as much as you talk? Anybody ever told you that? Do they just say this thing to people like me? Um, you know, things flapping around on the side of your face, Greg. Come on, pay attention. Come on, listening and talking to God as a conversation. Firing off your best monologue in the sky is inevitably going to be frustrating. It doesn't matter how good it is. If you're standing there giving your Shakespearean wonders to the heavens, but never listening to what God might be saying to you, come on, you're going to be frustrated. Listen, I get bored talking to myself. Sadly for you, I never get bored talking to you. So. <laughs> I don't want to listen to myself. I want to listen to God. Anyone else? Anyone? Come on. Jeremiah 29. Let's hear it in a different version to what we might be used to. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I will give you hope and a good future. Then you will call my name. You will come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Oh, wonder. Come on. What conversations are you going to have this week? Think about it. Come on, let's make some action points. Are you going to spend all your time, when you open up your phone, are you going to be on social media having those conversations? I think we all need to stay away, don't we, as Brexit approaches. It's getting a bit leery out there, isn't it, eh? Um, come on. Here's, here's an action point. Where is Facebook on your phone? Put your Bible app right next to it. Right next to it. And then you can open that up and have a conversation with God instead. Would that do us a favor? Yeah? I, I once heard Denzel Washington, of all people, he, he taught me a little bit about prayer. He said this. He said, he's a slipper man. You know all good people are slipper people. You knew this, right? But Denzel Washington, he said, I push my slippers far under the bed. So that when I get out of bed, I can't just put my feet straight into it. I have to get down on my knees and ferret them out. And when I'm getting my slippers, I think to myself, oh, I should pray while I'm down here. He's a wise man, isn't he? Come on, shove your slippers a bit further under. Would you do that? This is the word according to Big Denzel. Um, come on. Do something, do something that will prompt you into conversation with your father. Don't look at me. Think about it. Number two, we need to really speed it up. God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. How can we distill this? Longer is not stronger. Just get to the point. Yeah? Just land the plane. Okay? You ain't going to impress Jesus by piling up words. How do I know this? Because Jesus said so. 
Matthew chapter 6, read it for yourself, verses 5 to 8. You know, he's talking about hypocritical ways of praying. He's saying, don't you be spouting off on street corners. Don't you be using all the fancy language or heaping up words, thinking that you're impressing people or God. No, he says, just get yourself in a quiet little spot, settle down, and open up your heart to God. I've said it before, but some of the best prayers that you can ever pray are, God, help. And, and here's another one. Lord Jesus, what's next? Come on, just pray something simple. Would you do it? Just keep it simple. Just pour out your heart. Come on, does anybody know that sometimes the simplest prayers are wordless? You ever cried a prayer to Jesus? Come on, it's simple, isn't it? Have you ever groaned a prayer to Jesus? All be aware the Spirit's groaning with you. Come on, you don't have to be fancy. I've said it already, Shakespearean language does not impress Jesus. You know, Jesus is not more impressed by the King James Version than by the Good News Version. We might have our preferences. <laughs> I was going to say God doesn't give a monkeys. Can I say that about God? I think possibly. Come on, get off your high horse. Simple, sincere. It's not about showing off. It's not about adding in filler to pad out your prayers, make them seem more important. Children learn language, start off simple, but their parents love them just as much. Isn't this true? I haven't started to love Judah more now that he talks all the time. And please let me tell you, he talks all the time. Um, I don't love him more because he talks all the time. It's just fun. I love Nora just as much even though she just makes noises. She, they don't have to impress me so that I love them. You know, maybe when they're teenagers, I'll change my mind. I don't know. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I had no idea I woke up cheeky this morning, but I did. Um, you don't impress God more, the better you get at it. He's your father. Just talk to him. If it sounds rubbish in your head, don't worry. Do you know that there is a big old smile on his face? He loves it when you talk to him. Just that. Don't overcomplicate it. Sincerity, simplicity, Hebrews 10. Let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith. Come on. Simple, sincere, humble, expectant. God likes to show us, number three, we're going to really speed up. God likes to show us his grace by answering prayers. Does anybody believe that this morning? Oh, five of us. Come on. God likes to show his grace by answering prayers. Now, I know when I open up that, that comment, you're thinking, but what about, aren't you? Aren't you? Come on, tell the truth. Um, I say God answers prayers, and you're like, oh, 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 but hang on. <laughs> Come on. God always answers prayers, not always the way we want. <laughs> God answers prayers like this, doesn't he? He sometimes says yes. He oftentimes says yes, and then there's brackets because it's not like what we thought yes would look like, but it's still yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says not yet. Can I quote Rick Warren again? He said there's a fourth way God answers prayer, and he said the fourth way is you must be kidding. Um, <laughs> That's a good way to answer prayers. God always answers your prayers. He always answers your prayers. You know, I used to have a bit of a hang-up about praying for little things in life. 
I know some of you, you're more spiritual than me. You pray for these things like parking spaces. Yeah? I always used to have a bit of a hang-up. I was a bit like, but God, what about, you know, people who are starving and, you know, about cyclones and things? And do please pray for these things. Recognize when there's a cyclone, don't just pray about it, but your 20 quid might be the answer. So give that as well. Um, come on, don't just pray for answers. Recognize you are the answers. That's a, we'll move on. Um, when we, when we pray, um, what we're actually doing, and Pete Gregg helped me with this. Pete Gregg of the 24-7 prayer movement. He said, just pray for the parking space. Because if you get one, then you'll be thankful to God for it. And any opportunity to be thankful to God is a good thing. Do you see the simple wisdom in that? Do you see it? Some of you are like, that's too simple for me, Pastor Greg. Oh, well, God help you, because uh, I'm not sure I can. But uh, come on, sip, And do you know what? Ask Erin. I've had like about four weeks of amazing parking spaces. Do you know, they've not been regular parking spaces. Maybe God gives you regular ones, but he's been keeping the best ones for me. And they've been like the family parking spaces where we can get into the shop with the kids. They are like hen's teeth. And he's been giving me like the first parking space when I get in. And he's been bringing other people out of parking spaces. I don't even think they wanted to leave, but he's been moving them. <laughs> so that I can get the... God is good. <laughs> oh, God is good. Come on, he likes to show his grace by answering prayers. Jeremiah 33, verse 3, call to me and I will answer you. God's not a man. He's not a liar. Just call to him and he will answer. He said it. He'll do it. It gets better. In Jeremiah 33, I will show you marvelous and wondrous things that you can never figure out on your own. (laughs) Oh, there's so much I can't figure out. But I'll call on God and let him show me. Oh, what else? James 4, verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask God. I love James. He brings it right down to earth, doesn't he? Brings us down to earth with a bump. You don't have because you don't ask. Can it get much simpler? Move on. Maturity is knowing the difference between God's delays and God's denials. Come on. Don't tell God what he's saying to you. Just listen and get to know his voice. Maybe Ron and the band, you want to come up because we're going to draw in now. I said there were four points. There is a fourth point. Let's share this together. Because this is, this is really foundational for everything else. This is really kind of the heartbeat and the, 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 the stone on which you stand on when you're in prayer. Here it is, number four. God longs to be close to me. Come on, would you do your heart some good and would you say that with me? God longs to be close to me. Come on, let's say it again, whether it's in your heart or out loud. Come on. God longs to be close to me. Oh, come on. You know, this is not just something that we want to give an intellectual assent to. This needs to be heartfelt reality. Everything else will slot in place. You ever talked with somebody, maybe you're in a big crowd, a party or a business meeting or something, and you're chatting with them, but they're always looking over your shoulder because they're looking for someone else that they want to talk to more? Have you ever been there? Please tell me this doesn't just happen to me. Help me out. 
<laughs> you like Greg, we didn't like to say, but uh, <laughs> I'm not that rubbish in conversation. Um, it's a bit lame, isn't it, when someone treats you like that? You just want to kind of like grab them by the face and say, I am here. Yeah? Yeah? God's not like that. There's no one more important to him in the room. No one. He's looking in your eyes. He's heart to heart with you. How does the Bible describe it? Deep calling to deep. Gets a bit leery after that. All God's waves and breakers rolling over us. But uh, God longs to be close to you. To you. Oh, you're not excited, so I'm going to say this. God longs to be close to me because I'm excited. Isaiah 30. Do you want to start? Isaiah 30. The Lord waits for you to come to him so that he can show you his love and compassion. The Lord waits for you to come to him so that he can show to you his love and compassion. Hosea 6, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Job 29 verse 4, in the midst of everything Job was going through, what did he hold fast on to? He said this, he said, in the prime of my life, God is my best friend. That's what he held on to. Job, Job 29 verse 4, you look at it for yourself. Can we say that about our lives? Come on, in these seasons, is God our best friend? Our best friend, he longs to be close to you. Don't be the kind of Christian who says, oh, that's nice, and then just walk out and go about your business. No, 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 no. This is earth-shaking, life-altering reality. This is the substance of it all. This is what is shot through with wonder in your life, like seams of gold through the tapestry that God is weaving together. He loves you, and he wants to be close to you. He wants to be close to you. Do you want to be close to him? Come on, you've heard the ways that you can get close to God. Get your journal. Write out your covenant. Get yourself into a transformed community. Be close to one another. It'll help you feel and know what it is to be close to God. I'm not saying it because I, get, I, I don't get a bonus if I get more of you in transformed communities. I don't. I really don't. I, I wonder whether you think like this sometimes. I don't get a bonus for anything. Oh, poor pastor. No, 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 I'm doing all right. I want this for you because I want what is best from God for you. I want you to be with one another because when you're with one another, do you know what you might realize that God is with you too? Come on, close your eyes. Close your eyes in prayer. Would you do that? If you've never done it before, sorry, I don't always just tell people to shut their eyes. I normally invite people, but you know, we're rushing. Come on, close your eyes and seek God. And just let for a moment these truths drop from your head to your heart. Please, Spirit, would you help us in this? That God wants to be close to us. That he wants to hear from us. That he wants to answer our deepest needs and our everyday needs. We come with sincerity, simplicity, humbly, setting ourselves apart to you, God. Let this truth drop from our heads to our hearts that you love us.